Mac Power Users, Episode 269, Emergency Preparedness for Geeks. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm great, David. How are you? Good. Uh, So this is a show we've been kind of wanting to do for a while. A little intimidated by it, frankly. Uh, Emergency preparedness (laughs) is kind of a big topic, but we want to focus on emergency preparedness for geeks. There's, you know, in today's day and age, uh, if a disaster strikes, you're going to want to know you've got your data and your technology available to you. And that's something we can talk about. We can't really can't really talk about how much water you should have on on hand and some of the other yeah, things. I, I don't know the answer though. I, I, my guess is we've got some listeners that like know all those answers, but but we thought for our show we would try and focus on on the geeky side of it. You know what are what, what's the technology into the stuff because there are some things you can um, you can take steps for right now that will help you out a lot in the future. I mean, one of the things yeah, that, and it's it's both preparing your technology and using technology to help you be prepared. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that led to this show for me was just taking the time to buy a solar charger for my phone. And it just kind of got me thinking a lot about a lot bigger pieces of this. And and you've you've thought it through more than I have. Frankly, that's one of the themes of the show is how much more Katie Floyd has it together than me. Um, but um, so like it's interesting because you're in Florida. You visited Florida. You know what happens here. Oh, yeah. It, it is. That is like, you know. It is scary in Florida. I like I said, I mean, it's just like you're there. It's just lightning keeps going off. It's, you guys had more lightning in an hour than I've seen in my life <laughs> in August. And yeah. I, but I'm not kidding. I mean, it's just it's like that. It's nuts. It's it's like that outside my my house right now. But and and we definitely will talk about natural disasters, weather related things, and and stuff like that. But I, I also want to focus on, and, and we'll get into this later in the show. There's there are different types of emergencies. You know, there's there's natural disasters. There's regional disasters. But then we also have our own personal emergencies, you know, things that are unique to us, unique to our family, that tech can also help us be prepared for. So I, you know, I I kicked around different ideas for titles for this episode. And initially I thought disaster preparedness. But I really think emergency preparedness, while it may not be a perfect title, it fits a little bit better because, you know, this show isn't going to focus only on preparing for disasters, but it can also help you prepare for, you know, kind of your own little personal emergencies and crisis and and maybe even not emergencies, but, you know, little little mini mini emergencies, too. Yeah, but I mean, so you're in Florida talking about natural disasters. You got Florida hurricanes, lightning strikes. That place is crazy. And then. Yeah, a lot of weather related events. We don't have the 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 you've got earthquakes and fires. We yeah. don't really have those. We've had fires before. But. Well, it's funny they had a well, you and I recorded the, a show earlier this week as you prepare for your vacation and and um we had a a wildfire takeoff. I live near the foothills, so you know I'm very close when the fires take off. We had a fire like 15 miles from my house, and you called me to prep for the show. I said, "Well, there's a fire 15 miles away, and I think we'll be fine." You know, <laughs> but the when I yeah, that, that freaked me out. I a got bit. thinking. You know, that's pretty cavalier. But yeah, I'm in the land of fires and earthquakes, so that's great too. And uh, but either way, there there is some things you can do uh, for preparing yourself for this stuff with all the geeky tools we have, and and I think help yourself through this stuff. Um, and we will be pointing you in other directions for some of the other pieces of this preparedness stuff. But on the geek side, I think we've got a good outline and, and some good information to share. 
Um, well, let's talk a little bit about natural disasters. And I think I've got a leg up on you here because I tend to see mine coming. You know, hurricanes, we tend to have several days notice. Sometimes even we're watching them a week or more out. You know, even weather, we tend to have certain times of the year where, you know, weather events are, are more prevalent than others. You not so much, though. You can have a fire pop up in an afternoon or an, an earthquake can happen any minute. Yeah, the um, it, it is kind of scary. You know, I've grown up in Southern California, so I'm kind of used to them. And it's always fun when I'm with somebody that's from from away from Southern California when we experience one. And and it doesn't phase most of the people that live here and the people that 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 grew up somewhere else realize how unusual it is that, you know, the ceiling and the floor are going a different direction. That's not right. <laughs> and, uh, but um, yeah, you don't have any warning. Yeah, it's funny. I was in San Francisco for WWDC and they had an alarm going off. And the city sounded like an air raid siren. And somebody said, yeah, we have earthquake uh, drills here. That's an earthquake alarm. So I guess you can get a little bit of notice about an earthquake coming, but I don't know how reliable any of that stuff is. It seems to me it just kind of happens. Well, um, what what are the big things that, that you do for to to prepare or to get ready. I mean, it seems to me that one of the big things is um, getting communications either established or up, and that could be learning about them in advance um, or being able to communicate as soon as they're over. Yeah. Let, let's talk about communications. That's a good one. Um, the, uh, uh, in the first piece you brought was learning about stuff in advance. Um, uh, now in Florida, that's like you said, pretty, pretty much everybody knows when a hurricane's out near Florida somewhere. Even I know, cause I see it on the news here as well. Yeah, we tend to have, have warnings several days in advance. And then of course on the iPhone now, you can get severe weather alerts. There's so many apps. The one that I tend to use, I, I'm a really big fan of Dark Sky. Yeah. And that, that will give you severe weather alerts, but pretty much all of the major weather alerts apps. Um, the the weather.com app will give you weather alerts. Uh, NOAA has an app that will tell you all about and, and give you tracking information for hurricanes and things like that. So one of the things that I've I've got set up is I've got Dark Sky does it now. I used to do it through the weather app where I'll get a little alert in the morning telling me, you know, kind of what the forecast is. Are we expecting severe thunderstorms in the afternoon, just regular thunderstorms? So that's kind of the daily. I'll I'll get an alert at 7 a.m. If, if we're expecting precipitation. But obviously for the big storms, um, we're getting advances. Um, you know, we're, get, we're getting notification in advance. Um, and then, of course, um, we can get, you know, push notifications for weather alerts, which with the Apple Watch now, it's it's always on your wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we don't get as many warnings with earthquakes. Fires are better and uh, we do track them. Uh, you're not going to get caught, you know, with your pants down when a fire starts. It just it takes a while for it to work its way around. Uh, I had a good scare with a fire. I don't know. Now I've talked about it in the show before. I, it was at least six years ago, maybe longer where it was across the street from my house and it was pretty wild. Um, but the, uh, we knew it was coming for about a day and a half. Um, and there are like, there are some apps, the app, the, in fact, one of the, the takeaways from this show is the American red cross is an app developer and they've done a really amazing job with a whole suite of apps for uh, disaster and emergency preparedness stuff. In fact, if you take one thing from this show, I would say when we finish the show, because you're going to listen to the whole show and, and learn a lot, right? But you're also going to go download the Red Cross app that's appropriate for you. They have them on hurricanes, wildfires, earthquakes, or just emergency preparedness. 
And uh, the one for wildfires is particularly good. Now, does that notify you when it's coming or give you what, what kind of information do you get? Well, they, they're tracking all of the major fires. Um, I have to admit, I discovered it in researching the show. So I haven't had it live while there was a fire near me. So I think it'll give me notifications, but I'm, I'm not certain yet. Uh, but the uh, it even has in there, you know, what you can plan for um, and what you should do. I mean, when we had the fire near our house, it just kept getting closer and closer. And then, you know, the firemen were knocking on the door saying you need to be out of your house in 15 minutes. So that was quite an experience for me. And it was actually uh, enlightening for me for a little bit later in the show when we talk about how you prepare your data. But um, I don't want to get caught like that again. So I'm going to have something like this in effect. Um, uh, If this, then that also has some, some weather warnings. Um, I don't know if they have wildfires in there, but they do have weather warnings they could use. Um, There's an earthquake application that tracks every earthquake. I can, I I have it on my app. I can like log in and check it once in a while to see how things are looking. But uh, I think I'm going to be switching over to the American Red Cross earthquake one. That looks better. Yeah. And keep in mind on your on your iPhone as well, if you go down to the notification center and you scroll or if you go into notifications in the settings app, settings, notifications and scroll down to the very bottom, there is that section for government alerts and you can turn on both Amber alerts and emergency alerts. And I have to admit, I turned mine off because I was getting some some alerts for areas that were pretty far away from me and alerts that were not relevant for me. Um, but I guess if you if you live in an area that is that is prone to disaster, that may be something you want to turn on. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions about your communications is when the disaster strikes, will your technology work for you? And yeah, and and this can be hit or miss. I know in in my area, it's it's really based on the determination if if we're going under the the hurricane idea, it's really a determination for us on where do the trees fall. Um, you know, is is the cell tower that services your area down, or are a number of cell towers down? And typically after a major disaster, I know that, um, you know, FEMA and other organizations are pretty good about, you know, rolling in those those mobile cell towers. But keep in mind, if you have a widespread disaster, you know, like we've, we've seen in some of the areas that were very hard hit by hurricanes is after New York or in New York, after Sandy came through and after Katrina came through. In the New Orleans area, those were areas where they did have to roll in those trucks and the cell networks were down for several days and in some areas for for maybe a week or more before they could get coverage back up. Yeah, And I've experienced that in Southern California when we've had a decent sized earthquake where um, the wired phones will work because the earthquake wasn't big enough to like tear things down, but it was enough to shake everybody up a little bit. But everybody immediately gets on the cell phone to call each other to say that they're okay or are you okay? And uh, within minutes, the cell network is down. You know, it's just inaccessible due to congestion. Yeah. And so what I've always told my kids is um, when you uh, whenever there's an earthquake, I just want a text message that says I'm okay and I'm at wherever. And we do kind of the same thing. Um, What we really should do in, in researching for the show, a better bit of advice would be to get that message to someone out of state, you know, someone else the family or even up to Twitter or Facebook uh, where everybody can see it. And um, yeah. I never thought of that before reading this, this wildfire app from the American Red Cross. Right. Because just because your, your kid can text out doesn't necessarily mean that you can receive the text. Exactly. 
exactly. But text messages in my, in my own experience, when, you know, following an earthquake in California, when I can't get a cell call out, I can get a text message out. So uh, that may be something actually, you know, to go super geeky with this. If you're using workflows or drafts to have some pre-canned emergency kind of response uh, text messages and workflows would probably be better for it because it can grab your location and, and actually put in automatically where you're at. And you could just push a button and send that text out to, you know, 10 people or something. Um, uh, I don't think my family would do it though. I'm not sure they would stick with it, but I could do it. So, well, and it's pretty easy now to send a, a text message with the iPhone and include your location. I mean, that's, yeah. that's been a feature for the last couple of versions of the, of the OS. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes keep in mind that a, a plain old telephone line, just a, a wired landline, um, sometimes is the only thing that works. In fact, I, I know a lot of folks who that's the reason that they keep their, you know, 10 to $15 a month, plain, simple copper telephone line uh, is, is in case of a hurricane or is in case of an emergency. Yeah, I thought about that because we recently removed our landline, but I just could not take the, you know, 90% of the calls on that line were telemarketing. And um, I don't know, it just didn't seem worth it. How about yeah. you? Did you, you got rid of your landline even before I did, I think. I did. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. It's, it's gone. Uh, what about alternative forms of communication? Um, having, you know, short of using your phone or text message, um, social media is good. Like we said to Facebook, Twitter, um, having an out of state contact person that everybody agrees is the person they will contact is a good idea. You know, somebody that's out of the disaster zone, their uh, connection will be better and that'll give everybody a central place to go to. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty lucky that my immediate family is we're, we're pretty tight together so that when a disaster strikes, we usually know where each other are. And then the rest of our family, we're probably spread far enough apart that it's it's not going to get us all in in one swipe. But I think that that's a great idea is is having a place where you can check in with somebody and then those people have contact. The, the key is, is that they've got to have contact information to then kind of complete that phone tree. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, another another nice thing about communications, now that I think about it, is find friends. Um, I don't Is your family on find friends? Some of them are. Yeah, we're my 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 um my nuclear family we all are and some of my sisters and i are as well so um that's actually kind of nice if you think about it we would all know where each other are already just by looking at the phone i get although that assumes that the phone has current information which isn't always true right if the network went down you may not get it immediately okay well anyway communication is important um make sure you have a plan and this third party and social media services are something that's probably worth some time doing some preparation on. Uh, before we get to the next phase of this is how do you have power for all this stuff? Uh, why don't we talk about our first sponsor? Yeah, and our first sponsor, David, is a new sponsor to the podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about TunnelBear? Yes, I do, Katie Floyd. I, I, TunnelBear is a service that allows you to perform VPN services with your so with your mobile devices and your Mac. So it's just a really simple app to privately get around blocked websites and also, frankly, control your security. Uh, I, You and I have talked about VPN on our show for a long time, and I really believe it's something that everybody should have in their tool belt. Um, so what it does is if you're on your iPhone or your Mac, 
uh, and you go into Starbucks, for example, and you want to get onto the Internet, um, there's a lot of stories about how bad that can be because there's people in these uh, shared Wi-Fi points that can basically break into your connection, get your email account or something else. And once they get there, they're going to get all your banking information, your credit cards. That's just nuts. Uh, so TunnelBear is a way to secure that. They, you lock it through their VPN service. And TunnelBear does this by giving you the ability to basically port yourself through 14 different countries and browse the Internet as, as if in you're a different country. And the whole time it's doing this, it's also securing your Internet while you're on the public Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, or you can be in your own country if you want. You can yeah. just choose to be in a different country if you have a reason to be. Yeah, but let's say that you're, uh, you know, you, let's say that you like... Um, the MLB baseball app and you can't see your local game and you want to appear as if you're in a different country. Not saying I'm, I would do that, but I'm saying that's possible anyway. Um, uh, so, but the, I, to me, the big deal is the security and, uh, June for me was the month of travel. I was traveling, um, in several different places during the month. And I spent a lot of time in these, you know, public places using public Wi-Fi. Uh, and, uh, I was using tunnel bear the whole time and I really liked it. Um, the, one of the reasons I like Tunnel Bear is that it's plain English privacy policy. It's important when you're selecting VPN because you have to be able to trust your provider, and Tunnel Bear really is there to protect you. Uh, you don't have to be technically to use it or install it. All you do is you install the app and you push the button. It's really an on or an off button. Then you can select the country you want to appear as if you are in uh, if you need that. I usually just keep it United States anyway. Uh, the apps are super easy to use. You can pick your country and turn it on. And that's about it. And you can try it for free. They, they give you 500 megabyte of data for free every month. And if you need more prices, start uh, with an unlimited plan at $6.99 a month. Uh, they have apps for the mobile, desktop, browser. I've got it right up in my menu bar on my Mac, and I really like it. And you can download it and browse the internet privately with tunnelbear.com slash MPU. And make sure you go to tunnelbear.com slash MPU, because that way they know you came from the Mac Power users. Um, if you're out there and you haven't tried VPN yet, go over there and download and try this. Like I said, that free 500 megabytes gives you an idea of how easy it is to do your browsing, you know, through a VPN. Uh, TunnelBear does it for you. And, you know, it could be something you have in your tool belt. You don't may not need it every day, but when you're on the road, uh, this can really save your bacon. So go check it out. Let them know you heard about it from us. And thanks, TunnelBear, for sponsoring the show. All right, so power is a big topic when you're when you're talking about natural disasters or or really even, you know, personal emergencies because you want to make sure that you can keep your devices going. And probably the most common thing that that we use are some kind of portable battery. I mean, we all probably have a couple of these these portable, you know, iPhone and iPad type battery chargers hanging around. I I can probably think of I think I've got three within, you know, three feet of me, probably, because I'm sitting here in my office um, of various sizes. And I've got a couple that I like more than others. But, you know, one of the first things that I do when when I see things coming, um, in fact, I've got an OmniFocus uh, task set up for this, is every couple of months I make sure that I plug those all in and I make sure that they're all they're all charged so that if I go to grab one and I grab different ones for different occasions, that I know that I've I've got a little extra juice for all of my devices. Yeah. And, um, and get a bigger one. I mean, it, it, you know, this, these, uh, at, le at least one bigger one, yeah, these portable batteries are, are such a thing now. And they become so inexpensive that there's really no excuse for anybody not to have one. I, w I was at Disneyland with my wife recently. And as we walked by a, um, 
I called it a wall wart. You know, somebody had a plug and there was all these people sitting on the ground at Disneyland um, around the one plug they could find to plug their chargers in their devices. They spent like, you know, a hundred bucks to be in this place and they're going to spend an hour and a half sitting there making sure their phone gets charged, which is completely avoidable with one of these little portable batteries. I don't know why everybody doesn't just have one, but, uh, but on a disaster preparedness side, you know, you're going to want one even bigger and for, you know, 30 to $50, you're going to get a nice big one. Yeah. And I have different one for different uses. I have, I have one that's more pocket size that will give me about three or four chargers and I'll carry that when I'm just going out for the day and I, I want something smaller and pocketable. And then I have one that's larger and I've, I've got links in the show notes to some of these um, that w- that will charge me more like seven or eight, nine, 10 times. And that's definitely better to have that I can throw in maybe a travel bag or um, that I can have around the house. The other thing that I have, and we've talked about this before, and basically what it is, is just a big battery uh, for a couple of reasons. A couple of years ago, I got a um, a jump start kit for my car, and I just keep it in my trunk. I've got an older car. I've got a 1997 Toyota, and I love it, and it runs great, and it's very reliable. Um, but with an older car, I I want to have the ability that if I run into a tight spot, I want to be able to jumpstart myself and and get back to where I need to be. I don't want to have to flag somebody down and call. Tri- I mean, I could call AAA, but I I just want to be able to take care of a problem myself. But if you look at many of these battery jumpstarters, um, many of them, if you get into a little kind of the just a little bit more expensive range, and these by a little bit more expensive, I'm st- I'm talking thirty to fifty bucks. Um, they have am I am I calling this the correct thing a DC outlet? It's basically a cigarette lighter adapter that the thing that you put in your car yeah to plug your chargers in yeah uh, they basically have one of those stuck on the side to it and what it is is at the end of the day it's just a really big battery and i've got two of them because you tend to only get a couple of years out of them before they they lose a little bit of juice that they can no longer jumpstart your car but they're still a really big battery so i keep one charged up in my car at all times but then i have a second one that i just stick on a shelf and again when i see bad weather coming I make sure that both of those are fully charged and I know that I can always take my car charger out of my car and plug it into one of these batteries and that's got enough juice to charge my, you know, my, my iPhone or my iPad many, many times. It's funny. I was watching the uh, Planet of the Apes movie, the most recent one. And at one point they get power back, you know, and the first thing he does is he plugs in an iPad, you know, because he wants to see pictures and whatever (laughs) um you know it sounds silly but having power after a disaster is really important um not only just for the communication aspect of your phone but for a lot of us it's just where we keep a lot of information that we may need as well um the another way to deal with the power problem is solar chargers and i guess it depends on what climate you live in whether that makes sense or not we talked about this with liana lehua uh, since we recorded that show, I actually went and f- did some follow-up research because she had made some good points. And uh, it looks to me like the one I would recommend, the one I purchased was the Goal Zero charger. And I bought the notebook-sized one, which which charges things faster. She has a smaller one because she takes it out when she goes hiking. Um, and it, that really just is up to you. Either one is going to work even after a disaster. Uh, but uh, I think you should really seriously think about a solar charger because at some point, if you're out, of juice for several days, your batteries may run out of juice as well. So, and this might just be a nice thing to have that you can have sitting outside charging up one of your batteries, even though you may still have charge on some of the others. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that difficult to use. Uh, 
Um, you're probably in it for about a hundred bucks to get started, but it, it really is something that'll be nice if you are out of power. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing you put on this list, I was not familiar with what are USB light bulbs? I've never seen those. Yeah. The, um, well, I put a, a note out on Twitter saying, Hey, we're doing a show on uh, emergency preparedness and what are your tips? And one of our listeners here, let me look up his name really quick. Uh, wrote and said, Hey, you know, get some low power USB light bulbs, which is, as it sounds like, it's a, it's a probably an LED light bulb that runs off USB oh, power. That was Matt, by the way. Yeah. And so uh, if you search Amazon, uh, you should be able to find some of these devices. And it's actually a really good idea. I mean, candles aren't a bad idea either, but the, um, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to look into this. Okay, yeah, they're about they're about ten bucks. It looks like for yeah. a, a USB light bulb. I, I've just I've just got like a lantern that runs off of batteries, but yeah. I, I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought of USB light bulbs as opposed to just traditional battery powered things. Well, once you start, if you've got a solar charger, that just opens up a lot of options for you. Yeah, that's a good deal. Um, or or you can even charge batteries now via um, yeah via things. So that's yeah. that's a good option. Um, in in terms of um, you know, house. Power, you know, one of the things that I have in, although net won't necessarily power your devices for any period of time, um, is I do have anything of, I actually have a whole house surge suppression system because, you know, lightning, but I have anything of any importance in my house also plugged into a, um, an uninterruptible power supply with automatic shutdown. So if, if lightning does, you know, if we do get a power surge or a lightning storm or something like that, if I see a storm coming, I'm going to manually shut down all my stuff. But uh, otherwise, I'm going to avoid those those uh, little trips and things with this UPS. And if a, if a power outage lasts too long, they're going to auto shut down. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and if you have one that might have a little bit of juice left in it, um, that will be enough to perhaps run your coffee maker in the morning if you say if you preserve the power. If the world is ending. We must have our coffee, right? You, you know, priorities. The, um, you know, in general, and this is stuff that could apply in a lot of circumstances, but you want to just, you know, whenever you're dealing with an emergency or maybe just the fact that you're running out of battery power because you've had a busy day, uh, there's some general power saving tips. We've talked about some of this stuff before. Um, iOS 9 has kind of got some exciting new features concerning uh, power, um, protecting your power, like uh, one of the things I know they do is, you know, when your your screen lights up on your phone, when a call or a text message comes in uh, with iOS nine, your phone is going to know when it's face down based on the uh, proximity detector in the phone. And it's not going to light the screen up. Well, that saves you a little battery. Just all these little places around that they're saving battery time in the keynote WWDC. They're, they're estimating that they're going to add an hour of battery life to every iPhone just with these little tweaks. And in addition, they're going to have this low power mode and I'm running the beta on my iPad and I can already see, I get that notification when it gets down to 20%, if it wants to, to drop into low power mode and it, it throws a lot of switches and dials to, to extend the battery life even longer. Yeah. And the, they actually, I think you can also manually go into low power mode and iOS nine. I'm, I'm not running the beta on my, I'm running it on my iPad, but not on my iPhone. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I think you can manually go into low power mode. Do you happen to know if that's true? Um, I'm sure it is, but I don't know how. It's yeah, and 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 if you do, that might just be a good idea in general. If if you know you're you're in a bad power day and you might need to to get in low power mode. So, um, and, and other- if just to follow up, if disaster strikes before you get iOS nine, um, 
you know, look at the radios, you know, do you need the Bluetooth or do you need the cellular work? If like, if cellular isn't really working, do you want to leave the antenna running? I mean, you might want to save the battery and check it on cellular later. Um, yeah. All the things that you can disable Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, um, airdrop is another one that you can disable. I think when you disable Bluetooth and Wi-Fi though, that's going to automatically disable airdrop. Yeah. And uh, brightness, screen brightness is the biggest offender anyway. So turn your brightness down. Uh, turn off background refresh, turn off your push notifications, uh, disable your location services. Uh, I'll tell you, the best thing that has saved my battery, though, by far, is uh, deleting the Facebook app. I believe that. I mean, yeah, that's like the most common offender. Right. Instead, I don't know what, what I all they're is- doing that makes their battery, their app such a battery hog. Well, and they've got such a bad reputation, you'd think they would actively do something to fix it, but whatever. Um, one of the things that I, I did instead, though, is I did install the paper app, which is the alternative Facebook app, and it doesn't seem to be nearly as bad. Yeah. Um, if you go into your settings, general usage and battery, you know, if you just go through that order, you can see what which apps use the most battery life on your device. All right. So anything else we need to cover with regards to power? I would just put one more appeal out that if you're you're not listening to us about buying an extra battery, that you should go buy some extra batteries. They're just not that expensive. They're everywhere. I saw one the other day in a gas station, you know, so just get some batteries. Yeah. And I'd say get a small one and get a big one. Yeah. I think I after talking to Liana, I'm going to buy one of those big ones. It's like $50 and I didn't want to spend the money, but you know, it wouldn't hurt to have just a nice big one around here. Yeah. All right. Well, I think the next uh, area we need to cover is, is data. Um, but before we do, let me take a quick break and tell you a little bit about SaneBox. Uh, and SaneBox is of all of the online services that I use. Uh, it is the one that I absolutely cannot live without. It has been a game changer. And David, I got to say, I should have listened to you uh, months prior when you were, when you were, telling me about SaneBox because uh, I wish I had started using it years earlier. And what SaneBox does is it allows you to focus on your email and get to what really matters. It is automated email filtering, and it works with just about any email account. So the first thing that SaneBox does is when you register, you you integrate it with your email account, and it gives you this amazing Sane Later folder. And it's, it's intelligent, and it connects with your um, contacts and your social media, and it tries to parse through what is important and what is not. And it, it gets smart, and it learns as it goes. So as you train it, it will get better at what it does. And it tr- keeps only in your inbox the items that matter. And then once you get the hang of using the same later folder, you can then use other custom folders like the snooze folders. I love the snooze folder. David, you just wrote a great article over on Max Sparky about deferring email. So for example, as we were recording this podcast, we just took a quick break due to some audio issues. I took a minute to check my email and I had an email pop in um, from work. It wasn't particularly uh, important. And so I'm going to snooze that email and we're recording this on a Friday. I put that into my uh, next week email box, same box. And that means that email is going to not bother me all weekend. It's not going to sit in my inbox and it's going to pop back in my inbox first thing Monday morning so that I can deal with it at the appropriate time at work. I've also got a similar snooze box for the weekend. So if I'm, I've got personal stuff that I want to get back to and circle back around to on the weekend, I've also got a weekend sane box. They've also got sane reminders. So for example, if I'm talking to you about something, David, and I need you to get back to me, but you know, I know sometimes you forget to get back to me about things. Uh, I can CC like 
one week or two days at SaneBox.com. And if you haven't sent me a follow a reply email, SaneBox is going to say, hey, you might want to tickle David about that thing because he's never gotten back to you. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I kind of use that on you all the time. I'm so, worthy of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I deserve it. I guess that's the better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. S- SaneBox has totally changed my game with email. I can't imagine my life without it. They have a 14-day free trial, but if you're anything like me, I got two days into my 14-day free trial before I said, I am all in. I signed up for their their heavy-duty plan, and I signed up for two years because it is just that good. Um, but if you want to sign up, uh, head over to SaneBox.com slash MPU. You can start your 14-day free trial, and if you use that URL, uh, you can save up to 10 bucks on any plan uh, uh, which will give you a couple of months of SaneBox for free on us. So thanks to SaneBox for their uh, support of Mac Power users. Katie, uh, so let's talk about data. And uh, I want to uh, put my evacuation hypothetical out to our listeners. This is what I experienced when we had the wildfires. The fireman okay. knocked on the door and says, you have you have 15 minutes. We need you out of your house. Uh, and um, and my wife and I kind of looked at each other like, okay, we have 15 minutes. What are we taking? Um, I'd like you to ask yourself the same question at home and, and think about that. Now uh, there's certain things that aren't digitally related. Like we yanked the wedding pictures off the wall and some things like that. Um, but the big thing for us was getting the digital ones and zeros out of the house, because that's where so much of our, our beloved data is now, you know, our photos, our videos, our, our digital records, and now, had you all given this any prior thought? Did you have any thought that this might be coming? I mean, did you have a game plan? Did you say, Daisy, you're going to grab this, I'm going to grab this? Or did you just look at each other in a panic and say, just go and start grabbing? It was, um, we kind of had a plan, but we didn't really have a plan. And the way the fire was going, and I, I'm always the optimist, you know, it's like, it's it'll be fine, it's okay. And then there was a wind shift, and like in the course of an hour, it was right on us. And the... um. It, it, they move very quickly. Wildfires are called wild for a reason. So the uh, so we kind of had a game plan, but not really. And for me, it was the Drobo was the thing that came out of the house, the Drobo and the laptops and and all the pictures. And because of my backup system, everything eventually ends up on the Drobo anyway. Um, if everything else in the house burned down, then we would have been OK. Uh, I had enough time that I got the iMac out of the house, too, um, and. You know, then there's the valuables and things like that, but there isn't a lot of time. Uh, there certainly isn't enough time then to be like making copies and duplicates or do anything like that. You really have to have the data backed up beforehand. Um, and, yeah, and that's what I was going to say is you probably had a huge bunch of uh, jump on things because you're, you're Mr. Paperless. You had already gone paperless and you already had most of your data. I, I would venture to say almost all of your data in a digital form. So you just had to grab the ones and zeros, which means you were grabbing boxes that contained all of your data, i.e. hard drives, you know, rather than flipping through files. Well, it's like my neighbors in sales and I was watching, I mean, we, we were taking out our, our, our pictures and he was taking out drawer, like filing cabinet drawers that he had all this customer information in that he could not lose. And I was thinking how, what a shame it was that that's the stuff he had to worry about at that moment because he's married right. and he has a family and I'm sure he would like to be spending those 15 minutes getting his pictures out of the house. So I uh, spent some time uh, thinking about that. I do think that, you know, uh, the show in general makes me, um, uh, makes me, makes me uh, question some of my preparedness. And, and just like when we talk on our show about backup and we're like, well, we're geeks. So we're going to always have this stuff covered. And most of the people that listen to the show will, 
Uh, but we always talk about that mythical person out there who doesn't spend their time listening to Mac power users and doesn't understand and is clueless on how important it is to have your stuff backed up. I feel like I'm sitting in those shoes when it comes to emergency preparedness. I don't have enough prepared and I'm sure with a little bit of effort I could. So I'll, yeah, I mean, yeah. but yeah, catch, you know, it, it goes both ways. I mean, what a game changer for your neighbor. If, if he had read your paperless book and, and adopted some of your paperless practices and had all of his customer data yeah. paperless, you know, I mean, maybe there's some, some opportunity for you to share that love and you never know. Maybe, maybe he's an um, emergency preparedness red cross volunteer. Yeah, he moved. He moved. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, but let's talk about, it. so the war story aside, uh, I would like you out there listening to say, if you had 15 minutes is your, are at least the digital bits of your life in shape where you could get them out of your house quickly. And if not, what do you need to do to get yourself there? So uh, this is some of the Mac power users, you know, favorites, you know, get, get your paper to digital. I mean, uh, we even have a couple sponsors that have products that could help you do that. Um, um, you know, going paperless is huge in preparing for these kinds of things, because once you put it digital, you can have it everywhere. In fact, you know, in 2015, if we had that fire problem, between my Backblaze account and my transporter that's offsite and some other things, uh, if we had zero minutes, all of my photos and my key documents would already be offsite anyway. You know, if there was a gas explosion or whatever, I, I, you know, I would not lose any data. Right. Uh, and then, so what you've also done, I mean, a, a couple of the key documents that you need, I mean, I think David and I are advocates of getting everything paperless, but I think if you, if you're not paperless and you need to prioritize, what can you get paperless this weekend? You know, if, or if you, if you, if you're like me and you see the hurricane coming and you've got two days, what can you get paperless? Uh, I think insurance information is a big one. I think um, identification is, is another big one. I, I've got a post where I went through and I basically scanned the contents of my wallet um, and my passport. And I've got those securely stored in, in one password. Um, people who have information about uh, medications and um, prescriptions and things like that. I think having uh, medical information for both yourself and, and if you have pets for your pets as well, I think that's very important. You know, immunization records, um, current medications, how you can get prescription refills and things like that. Are, are very important. And I think basic financial information, you know, where are your accounts? How can you access your data and, and things like that? Yeah. Money, insurance, and med and medical are the big three. Right. So if you've um, got those three covered, that's a start. Right. But you know, uh, the, the other, go ahead. Just the, um, the, the pictures is not to be under, I mean, we've talked a lot about photos lately, um, but you know, don't just have your photos library on your Mac. You need to back it up. We talked about that during the photo show at length for reasons of data integrity, but we also think that's part of a disaster preparedness plan. You want to get those photos out of the house if there's a problem. Yeah, I think your your photos need to be somewhere in the cloud. I talked about that Flickr upload solution. Uh, if you if you use Backblaze or something or um, Crash Plan or an offsite data solution, that's probably going to back up your photos library. I, I use that Flickr photo up storage as kind of a secondary backup um, that I've installed on a couple family members' computers that I think that's a good thing. The other thing, though, is to think about all the photos that you don't have digitized. I mean, most of us have, I, I think, probably the photos that we've taken in the last several years you know, since since cameras have gone digital and digitized, but there are probably a lot of photos 
If you think about maybe your kids' baby books when when things weren't digital, or maybe your wedding album when things weren't digital, um, I, you know, I don't know what the copyright issues are with that, and I'm, I'm certainly not offering an opinion on that. But one of the things that I did a couple of years ago is is actually we went back to the wedding photographer who took my parents' wedding pictures, and um, ironically, um, he we went to go get some reprints of my parents' wedding pictures for their 25th anniversary several years ago, and they weren't available because the photographer told us that he lost all of his negatives that he had stored in a in a storage unit. Uh, I don't remember if it was a flood or a fire. And so those were irreplaceable. And he just gave us a general release. He said, whatever you have, you're, you're welcome to make copies of because those are, those are the only ones you've got. Um, and I went through as a Christmas gift one year and I took the only album that they had from their wedding because, you know, my parents were young and poor back when they got married and all they got was the basic, you know, basic, basic album. And I went through and I scanned all of those very high resolution and painstakingly cleaned them up. Um, you want to make sure that you've got to the extent, you know, maybe take some time now and start digitizing those albums. You know, as, as much as you'd like to have the albums, if all else fails, wouldn't you at least like to have the digital copies? And there are some good reputable third party vendors that will will do that for you as well. Where if you've got, you know, shoe boxes of, of photographs, you can send them out and they'll do the scan for you. So you can either get yourself a photo scanner or, or hire somebody to do it. But um, if you haven't done that yet, uh, there's a whole lot of good reasons to do it now, because uh, with time, those those old pictures are only going to get yellower and worse. So the sooner you get them scanned, the better off you are. Right. And, and you know, hopefully future generations will, will care to look at a picture of you. Right. <laughs> but, the, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, get them get them scanned in. It's not that hard. Um, the, uh, you know, one password uh, frequent sponsor of Mac power users is another really good kind of data protection service in the sense of you have all of your data in there. You were talking about scanning your credit cards and the contents of your wallet. I've got a lot of that stuff scanned into one password. And because it's got a separate password protection, um, I can get access to that stuff very quickly on any of my devices, which I have batteries for in a case of an emergency. So that's another kind of angle or vector to doing that. Uh, my favorite one though, is from one of our listeners and I will look up his name in a minute, but he wrote in about his USB time capsule. And when he wrote it, it was a tweet. I thought, oh, okay. So he's using time capsule with a USB code or something. And no, he, he, he actually made a time capsule. He got a high density USB drive. Uh, he put a bunch of his key data on it. Then he sealed it in a Mason jar. And then he put in a five gallon drum with a bag of concrete. So he literally made himself a time capsule of his, his key data. And he says he put it in his backyard. So he's got encased in concrete, a, um, you know, something in case of emergency break glass kind of thing where he's got all his key data in there. I'm, I'm not sure I understand. So how did you, Okay. Let's we'll just take it no, in no, steps. I, 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 I understand, but you can't update it. It's in concrete now. No, you can't. You got it. Well, unless you want to get your sledgehammer out. Okay. Gabriel, so he, Gabriel did that. But one of the important things that we'll talk about is making sure that this data is current. I mean, do you have like one of these every month? And he's got like, he's making like a fence out of it. I don't know. I don't know, but I love it. I just love that he did that. Okay. All right. (laughs) What if I'm going to make my own personal time capsule? I've done that before when I made furniture, totally unrelated. Yeah. I I used to build a lot of furniture and um, I used to put notes in like, sometimes you have enclosed spaces in furniture and I would put notes in there. It's like, why are you taking me apart? I'd write a note in there and one of them I made someone took apart and called me about the note. It was kind of fun. 
Um, anyway, uh, what about your contacts? If uh, your data, you know, that's kind of important. If there's a problem, you need to get to your contacts. Yeah, and most of the time, this is this is pretty easy now. But I think you know because we all have most of us now um, have our contacts on our on our uh, iPhones or iPads, and they sync with the cloud service. But I think it's very important now that if you're not syncing your contacts with the cloud service, this is a good time to do that. I would agree, and you know the the point of date of this whole discussion of data is is offsite backup is king. You know you can. Uh, you can cure a lot of your problems if you're working ahead to get an offsite backup plan. And whether that is just making a monthly copy of all your data and driving it to a friend's house or using a service like Backblaze or one of the other online backup services or buying a transporter and putting it somewhere. I mean, there's there's so many different ways to scratch that itch now. And it's it's really doable. When we first started recording the Mac Power users, it was hard for us to recommend offsite backup because Upload speeds were so slow and things weren't really that stable yet, but now it is something that everybody should have. Yeah. So now that, now that you've had a chance to think about it a little bit and, and now that you've kind of um, lived through it, um, and I can share mine first if you want, but do you, do you have kind of a, a strategy, a plan, uh, something that you go through? I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of got a little hurricane checklist in my head, but I'm fortunate that I have a little more notice than you do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the two risks for us are earthquake and fire. So for fire, our house is evacuated. I mean, we're not if there's wildfires and it comes near to our house. And boy, if I had time, I could tell you such a great story about the, the time that I stayed and dealt with the fire. But anyway, um, the uh, so so for the fire plan for us is just to have everything portable and easily removable from the house. Uh, we went and bought a, a very small portable um, lockbox. I don't want to call it a safe because it's it's just a fireproof box that's got a key on it. And the few pieces of paper that really need to be pieces of paper as opposed to something digital are in there and they're in a location that's very good for us. Uh, we went and bought um, several uh, chain uh, steel rope ladders in essence, because the way our house is laid out, you know, there's a front in the back and the girls rooms are in the front and Daisy and I room are in the back. So we have, uh, uh, but in both rooms, we have ladders that could be used. If we had to, you could break a window and throw it out the window and climb down. Um, and then we have, you know, the data plan has got even better. My offsite backup plan is better. My, um, my Drobo synchronizing and saving system is better. I could grab the Drobo and be out of the house and just a few pictures off the wall that, you know, we would want to take and we would be fine. So that's the fire one. How about if I come back to earthquake after you do hurricane? Um, well, again, keeping in mind that I'm going to have a little more notice of a, of a hurricane than, than you are of any of this. You know, kind of the first things that I do is I, I always make sure that my car is topped off with gas. And if I've, I've got a couple of spare gas tanks that I keep in my garage and, you know, I always make sure that I fill those up because um, at the end of the day, your, your car is the ultimate battery. You know, if you've got if you've got power in your car, you can you can drive around and charge stuff up. Um, and, and you can also get somewhere to where, you know, you can you can drive 500 miles away and and be out of the disaster area and go buy a hotel room or something. So that's that's kind of the the ultimate backup plan. Um, one of the things that I do is uh, I, I charge up all of those spare batteries. I charge up the batteries that I keep in my car. I charge up the spare that I keep on the shelf in the garage. I charge up all of the spare batteries that I have, no matter how how big or small they may be. They they all get charged up. Um, I update all of my backups. I update, um, you know, my time machine backups, my cloud backups, my, uh, 
my local backups, my offsite backups, all of my backups get updated. And then I unplug them because, you know, you're going to have weather, you're going to have um, uh, lightning, you're going to have things like that. And sometimes I, I usually even take one of the backups and I put them in my car so that if I need to go somewhere, I've, I've got the backup with me. And then I unplug, I sync all of my cloud devices and make sure that the cloud is up to date. Uh, and then I unplug all of my computers and all of my non-essential tech because I don't want them plugged in, you know, when the when the storm is here. And after that, I just kind of ride it out. Now, this this is completely tech. I mean, you do a whole nother thing for water and food and, and you know, um, making sure that your furniture is secure and, you know, securing your house. But that, that's just my tech-related plan. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I've, I'm not doing very good on that second half, so I'm not going to talk about it. But for the earthquake, you have no warning, in essence. So the way you prepare for it is just have things generally in good shape around the house. Um, we do have, like I said, this solar battery to help give us juice. I am always keeping my um, batteries charged. It's just an obsession with me. And one of the reasons I like those anchors is they tell you how much charge they have. Just like the other night I noticed um, I lost one tick, you know, has like eight little ticks in a circle. And just by sitting there, you know, on the cabinet for a week and not being used, it lost a tick. So I went ahead and charged it to, to refill it again. So that stuff will always be charged. My, my dad once gave me really great advice about cars. He says, you know, you can fill up a car when it's half empty or when it's nearly empty and it really doesn't make much difference. So you should always fill up your car when it's half empty because having a full tank of gas whenever you need it is a pretty good thing. And I always remember that. And I, I try to impart that on my children as well. I, I don't mind uh, that they want to fill up their cars when it's, you know, before it gets to nearly empty and in the land of earthquakes, having a full tank of gas, I think is something that that could be really useful. Um, and just like Katie said, you know, having extra batteries, um, making sure your, your data is backed up to the cloud. If, if something were to happen, um, I'm going to look it up, uh, just for, you know, what I, I, sh I shouldn't get into this, but you know, th there are some really good, um, advice for surviving an earthquake that I did. I wasn't aware of until fairly recently. So, um, there's a video on YouTube. I'm going to show, they call it like, I think the triangle of survival or something where, um, traditionally you would be told to sit under a table, but now it's a better idea to sit under something um, like sit next to a bed because, mm. or something or like next to a cabinet uh, where um, the way the ceilings fall in it, act, it actually a table could collapse on you. Whereas if you build a really one strong leg and you sit right next to it, that's almost safer. I'll put a thing in a YouTube about it. I'm kind of rambling. So I'm going to stop. Okay. But uh, yeah, um, you know, how can you not go there when you're talking about earthquakes and you live in Southern California? But Yeah. Well, the the next category of emergency we have are, are kind of not natural disasters. That's what we've been covering kind of the first half of the show. Um, I also want to make sure that we talk a little bit about personal emergencies. And a lot of what we've talked about so far will apply. So this this may not take as long. Um, but there are other types of emergencies that, that can occur as well. And I want to make sure we touch on that. But before we do, David, maybe maybe tell us a little bit about Pixelmator and then we can come back and, and talk start fresh. I'd be happy to talk about Pixelmator. And today I want to focus on Pixelmator for iPhone and iPad. It is um, just an amazing photo application for iOS. In fact, I just didn't think this was even possible a few years ago, um, how strong this app is. Apple agrees they gave it the best of App Store Award for 2014. Uh, Pixelmator for iPad is a powerful image editor that gives you everything you need to create, edit, and enhance your images 
Um, it works between the Mac and the iPad, and it even works on the iPhone. Now they have an iPhone version and it works effortlessly for people who use Photoshop. Or if you're not a Photoshop user, it just works for people who don't haven't gone down that road. In fact, I'm, I fall in that category. I never took the time to learn Photoshop. Uh, Pixelmator was the first serious photo app I took on and it just works for me. Um, uh, they take full advantage of the latest iOS technologies, so they give you speedy and powerful tools that let you touch up and enhance images. Um, you can uh, draw or paint, you can apply effects, you can create enhanced composition. It even works hand in hand with the Photos app, the native Photos app. So if you have a, a, a photo open in the Photos app, you can round trip it to Pixelmator, do some work on it and get back in Photos app without having to make a bunch of extra copies. These guys are always trying to be at the forefront of the best image technology software on iOS and they succeed. Um, they've got templates built right in so you can apply templates if this isn't your thing. They've got retouching tools so you can fix wrinkles and repair scratches. You can make flaws vanish from your photos. You can even rearrange objects in a composition and you can combine different tools and effects for a lot of different ways. So once you learn the basics and you start combining them, it really starts to become powerful. And because you can do it all on your iPad, I find I use it even more. Like I sit on the couch all the time and fiddle with my photos and between the photos app and Pixelmator, I've just got it covered. Um, there's a bunch of effects built in. You can open and save images with uh, Photoshop PSD, JPEG, PNG, PDF, and many other popular formats. And it supports iCloud and sharing. Um, uh, it's built exclusively for the iPad, but now they have an iPhone version as well. Uh, and it's meticulously thought out. And I just really recommend checking this application out. It's not that expensive. It's 64-bit architecture. It uses all those great tools that Apple has put into iOS to make it amazing. Uh, check it out. Pixelmator. Let them know you heard about it from the Mac Power users. And even if you've never been that person that goes and touches up photos because you've been intimidated, Pixelmator is your entry point. Get in there and you'll be able to make your photos look beautiful. Thank you, Pixelmator, for supporting the show. So we talked a little bit about the start of the show, and we'll, we'll include some links. But um, in terms of you know personal emergencies, there there can be all kinds of of issues, and I, I know we all have our own um, personal experiences that that we can relate upon. And you know this this really hit home for me a, a couple of years ago um, when I was dealing with some illness in my family. And I know David, you were there, and I, I even missed a couple of Mac Power Users episodes because I got the call and I had to run, you know, very quickly. Um, and one of the things that that came out of that is, you know, I realized that I never quite, you know, you never know when something's going to happen. You never know when you're going to have to get up and, and run and you're going to get the call. And my, my mom and I both did this in, in very different ways because it was, it was kind of the running joke of, you know, when are we going to get the call to go to the hospital? When are we going to get the call to, to go somewhere else? And we both ended up creating go bags. Um, she kept hers in the trunk of her car. I just kind of kept mine ready to go in my closet. Uh, we, we had very different things in our go bags, as you can imagine. Mine was very tech related and, and hers wasn't. Um, but one of that, that has always stuck with me is that I remember, you know, that was one thing that I, I would do is I would run around the house and I would, you know, grab a bag and throw a bunch of things in it and, and try to run out the door within a few minutes. And inevitably I would have, I would have forgotten something. So, um, over the course of, you know, a couple of months of this happening, I just realized, you know what, I'm going to have a bag 
that is just packed and that is is ready to go. And it's really more like a, an accessory bag that I can grab this, I can put it in a bag, I can grab my iPad, I can, you know, maybe grab a water bottle and I can be out the door in just a few minutes and know that I've got everything neat and tidy all together. Do, do you have anything like that put together? Or um, No, I don't have a bag, but I do have um, a plastic bin that has everything like that in it. Um, and it's, I, I call it kind of my travel box. So whenever I need to go somewhere, I just take the bin down and I dump it on the bed and just pour everything out on the bed. And then I pick what's going to go with me on that trip. And there are things in there like batteries and connectors and cables. And there are also things in there like, you know, my, my presenter remote and the connectors to connect my iPad or, or Mac into a projector. So it kind of depends on the nature of the trip, but I am, I am customize what comes out of that box depending on where I'm going, but I don't have one where someone could call me and I would just be out the door. Yeah. And I had what you had, you know, I had, for me, it was a a big bag, but I had a, I had a big bin or it was actually a drawer that I I have in my closet where I kept all of that stuff. And I would do the same thing as I would just pick and choose and, and get what I wanted related to the trip, but that took too long. And I was finding that I was forgetting things. And so sometimes what's in the go, the go bag is just packed and ready to go all the time. And sometimes that meant buying duplicates of things because I keep duplicates in the go bag as opposed to what's in my regular travel bag. But I'll go through what's in it in a minute. And none of it is particularly expensive. I actually just wrote an article for Don McAllister on this on Screencasts Online, and that article will post on my website. Um, I don't know if it'll be up by the time the show posts, but it'll be shortly thereafter. Um, But I can kind of just run down what's in that bag if you're you're curious. Let's hear. Um, So the bag itself is a Tom Ben 3D mesh organizer cube, which to give you an idea of size is is smaller than what I would call a men's shaving kit size. um, So it's it's pretty small. And so that bag will fit in. Typically that bag goes in another bag. It goes in a backpack or it goes in a shoulder bag or it goes in whatever. But that's the bag that I keep everything in. So that gives you an idea of, of how this all fits. Um, so the first thing that I, I keep in here is I keep an anchor four port USB wall charger. Um, and this is a wall. It's um, it's about the size of, I would say, it's a little bit bigger than two Apple chargers if you stuck them together. But it will um, charge up to four USB devices at once. And two of those are high speed chargers. So you can charge in total up to two iPads and to two iPhones simultaneously. Because uh, one thing that I found is um, w- when you're on the go, you can typically never, you're typically not alone. You're either charging your iPhone and then somebody else's and then somebody's got an iPad and then there's, you know, so having those four ports tends to help and it's, it's fairly small. And so this is just, it plugs into AC and it's got four USB ports in it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's, it's still fairly compact. The other thing that I keep in that bag is I keep the, um, the anchor Astro E5, um, portable battery, and that's a 1600 milli or sorry, 16,000 milliamp portable charger. And I think that's got enough to fully charge an iPhone like nine or 10 times. So, or an iPad like once or twice. So it's, it's got enough juice in there to, and it's got two USB ports on it. So I can charge up two people at the same time. And again, what I was finding in, in my case, my pers- my the emergency that set this off was was health related. So in my personal case, I would typically be at a hospital and then somebody else would join or I would be joining somebody else. So usually there would be two of us and I would kind of be the, the tech person and, and we could be sitting for a long period of time. 
Um, the other thing that I keep in there, and I talked about this on the last episode that we had with Liana, um, is this Edematics, uh wireless travel hotspot that you can plug in and then rebroadcast a wireless signal. So you can, you know, most places have Wi-Fi, so you can plug that in and then rebroadcast the Wi-Fi signal so that everybody can get their devices online. Um, I also typically packed a headphone splitter, a very small headphone splitter. Because what I would find is that I would get there and then I would have my iPad and I would have a couple of movies or TV shows or just something loaded on my iPad, but I would feel bad about just sticking my headphones in and watching my iPad because whoever I would be there would would be alone. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't have anything to do. So I found if I brought a headphone splitter and then I also have two pairs of, of earbuds in that go bag, it's it's a way of sharing the experience. It's gonna be okay, well, if we're both stuck here, look, I can I can pull up a video or something on my on my iPad and, and we can do this together. So, so now all of this is separate. So you bought these as additional batteries and headphone splitters and everything. Yeah. Well, uh, you just yeah. said you can have, you can't have enough batteries. Yeah, you're right. Well, I'm just curious. So um, I also tend to keep um, two lightning cables in there. Um, and I make sure that at least one of them is a combination lightning and micro USB cable. Yeah, those are pretty common now. So it's a, it's usually a lightning cable with a little, thingy on the end that you can well, attach yeah, or you, disattach. Usually, usually it's a micro USB cable with a little thingy on the end that makes it a lightning cable. Okay. So there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can just buy a cable that does it, or you can get a micro USB cable, and then you can buy a micro USB to lightning adapter. Yeah. Um, Skiva makes one that I like. Um, Skosh makes a retractable version. Um, and then usually my second cable that I have in there, because I don't need a big one, is just like a four-inch cable because i'm trying to keep this as small as possible yeah um and then a a new addition to this bag is i bought a um i bought a spare charging cable for my apple watch because of course that's proprietary so now you have to have a spare charging cable so that got in there um and then the final thing that i keep in there just for good measure is i keep a chapstick okay well because you know you gotta have chapstick gotta take care of your lips right but but this bag, although it's also my go bag, it's also the base bag for my travel bag. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm duplicating a lot of stuff, but this all becomes, this is also my travel bag. And then I add to it whatever other adapters I may need when I travel. Like, so another option would be if you had your bin full of travel stuff, you could have a little case in there that had, you know, your quick go bag. And you could always know that's got a battery, a cable or whatever else is important to you. And you can grab that and leave. Yeah, because when, whenever I'm going to travel, I'm always going to take all the stuff that I just listed, but then I also may take my presentation remote, and I also may take a HDMI adapter, you know, things like that. Yeah, well, I, I don't have it planned out as well as you do. I, I've got I've got most of these things, but uh, I, you know, I haven't had that experience yet. Maybe that's part of the problem where I have to run real quickly and I don't have the the tech I need. If anything, once it, once it happens two or three times, you learn. Oh yeah, I agree. And and that one of the nice things is it is getting easier. Um, the, uh, all of our devices are on lightning. Now we don't have the 30 pin connectors in the house anymore. The, um, you know, because of the, uh, the new MacBook ability to charge off of essentially a phone charger, um, having a nice big battery and the right cable when I go out, allows me to add battery life to my laptop. Um, so I kind of carry a, a lot of these things just in my day to day bag. I carry a, a combo lightning micro USB cable. I carry a lightning cable. I carry a battery. So a lot of the stuff I, I just already have with me, but it's interesting. 
Well, um, and you know, your, your uh, go wanna... bag can't can your go bag can be your backpack or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be a small separate bag. Yeah. I just keep it in a small separate bag so I can put it in my backpack. In fact, this bag is in my backpack. Normally is where it lives because I and then I take it to school with me and I you know it then goes back to the office with me. It's just I just keep it in a separate bag so I can clip it out and and go quickly. But I think if you added up everything in this bag, it's probably a hundred bucks or less. I do think it's interesting that you've you've gone to the trouble to make the bag though, and I'm sure there's some listeners out there that may have some additional ideas for things that should be in your go bag. So if you have that idea, send it in. Send us a voice memo or send us a, an email. Let us put it in. Or you could go to Ask MPU. That'd be another good place to do it in Twitter. Hashtag Ask yeah. MPU. Um, either way, uh, I want to talk about applications in relation to accidents and illness as well. We've made reference to the Red Cross app uh, throughout the show, but the Red Cross has uh, some really excellent first aid applications. I think that'd be a good thing to have on your phone. And the one we haven't talked about yet is the emergency info in the health application. So if you open the health application in your iOS 8 iPhone, you can put in emergency information in there that emergency personnel can access. Um, yeah, that's under the medical ID tab under the health app. Yeah, I put I filled it in because there's some medication I take and some issues somebody should know if I'm on the roadside or whatever. So um, if you haven't done that, take a few minutes to do it. Yeah, you can put in stuff like um, medical conditions. I put in that I, I had asthma. You can put in what you're allergic to. And then you can even put in you know blood type if you have any medications and then contacts. So I put in a couple of contacts and I believe that people can call those. In fact, I'm, I know they can. They can call those contacts even if your phone is locked. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, you had mentioned the FEMA app in the um, in the outline. I've not played with that. It's fairly similar to the Red Cross app. It, it gives you general information about what to do in an event of emergency information about it's, it's more uh, disaster based. Okay. Obviously, cause that's what FEMA does. Well, let's talk about um, serious illness and death because that's another type of preparedness that I think our, our listeners may want to think about. I I'm dealing with this right now. I've got a, um, I haven't said it on the show, but I've got a, I've got a kidney stone I've been dealing with for five months, which is not a big deal, but kind of a big deal, I guess. So I'm going to be going, I, I don't think you're going to die. I'm not going to die, but it's been rough for the last few months. Um, and uh, so finally, it's not the problem isn't getting solved the way it's supposed to naturally. So they're going to do a surgery and it's a general anesthesia surgery. Not a big deal. But as soon as I heard that I'm going to be going under, I started making my list, you know, make sure of certain things. And so I'm actually uh, living this one out. And uh, one of the things on my list is how do I make sure that if I don't come out of the surgery for some stupid reason, um, Daisy's, you know, can, is able to have access to whatever she needs. So, um, like one of the things on my list is, you know, making sure the data is available to others. Yeah. And, uh, let's go ahead and actually talk about our last sponsor, which timing is actually pretty perfect for this because our last sponsor for this section, uh, is our good friends over at one password. And, you know, one password is, is probably most known for making an amazing password manager that will create and store strong and unique passwords for all of your devices. But I have really come to see one password as much more than that, because having access to all of your passwords in the event that you aren't available in the event that you aren't around is going to be very important 
important for your family uh, in the event that something happens to you. They're going to need access to all of your data. But more than just accessing your passwords, more than just accessing your accounts, as important as that is, 1Password also gives you the ability to store information securely in 1Password. You can store uh, information in secure notes within 1Password. So if you want to write a note out to family members with with information that they might need, if you want to store information about medical history or medications that you may take, stuff that you may not just want, you know, anywhere sitting on a file on your desktop for security reasons, uh, you can store that within the notes applications in 1Password. And one of the things that I've talked about in the past that I've used 1Password for um, is kind of secure storage of images of important documents. And one of the things that I did is, you know, I took my scanner here and I just, uh, my, I've got a ScanSnap um, IX500. It just sits here on my desktop. And I went through and I scanned the contents of my wallet because I had a scare. I lost my wallet. Turns out it was in my desk drawer. Don't know how it got there, but probably put it there some point. I lost my wallet for about uh, four or five hours one day. Uh, and that really freaked me out. And I thought, what would I do if I couldn't find my wallet or if I lost my wallet? How would I know which cards to contact, who to contact? How would I get all that information? Well, 1Password does have fields for all of that information, but sometimes it's nice just to be able to see it. So I just took everything that was in my wallet. I ran it through my ScanSnap, the credit cards, the insurance cards, the healthcare cards, everything, created images of them, can be a PDF, can be a JPEG, whatever, and added those images to the related uh, cards that I had already set up in 1Password. So now I have my Visa information, my card in 1Password, because I use that information in 1Password, but I also have an image of my Visa card in 1Password, front and back, that includes everything that I need. I have information about my insurance in 1Password, but I also have an image of that card front and back in 1Password. Um, and that's great that, you know, if you're in a position where you don't have your wallet, but you need maybe your insurance information, you can pull it up if you need it. So 1Password is a great password manager, but it can also be used for so much more. And I know I'll be talking about it a little bit later in, in this particular section, but you can find more information about 1Password by going to their website at onepassword.com. Uh, and thanks to them for their support of the show. Boy, this is going to actually be hard to do without making it sound like a, you know, 15 minute one password ad, but. Well, uh, and we promise it's not. Yeah, but the. But um, this, is, this is actually what we do. <laughs> Although I guess we can, we can point out though, that much of what you can do with one password, you can also do with secure files and folders and in Dropbox or in Evernote or things like that as well. Yeah. And you and, you and, and I gonna, just happen to believe that one password happens to be the best tool for this. Yeah. We will point out alternatives, but. Like as I'm going into the surgery, one of the things I want to make sure is to remind my wife that in her one password database is my one password password into the big one. Well, it's it's more than just a list of passwords and logins um, because that's not enough information. If something were to happen to me, um, I'd want to make sure that she knew what were the key accounts to be aware of. I mean, I think she knows, but she doesn't deal with the stuff. Some of it, at least as much as I do. And. If something happens to me, she's not going to want to have to puzzle it all together. So take some time. And I know this sounds morbid, but make yourself a kind of a text file with a list of instructions. You know, where are the insurance policies and what are the key bank accounts they should be aware of? And who are the people you can talk to if there's a problem and et cetera. And it, it really makes a lot of sense to write that stuff down. And you don't even have to share it with the person. Just put it in a, in a place where they can find it. 
if something happens to you. I mean, it, it could be a secure note in one password. It could just be a text file that goes in with your estate papers or, you know, there's lots of places you could put something like this, or you could just hand it to them while you're still fine and just say, Hey, if something happens to me, here's all the details of the stuff you need to deal with and update that once in a while. So if you've got them with a list of, of key assets, bank accounts, etc., and the logins for those things, you're making their life a lot easier. Yeah. And just keep in mind that this is going to be one of the most stressful times you want to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so how can you do that? So, you know, we've already mentioned that one password is a great solution for this because it's on all your devices. It's, it's secured by a password. Um, if your significant other understands how to use one password, it's really great. Um, in my case, my wife really is a big fan of one password. So it just makes sense that she would go in there and find whatever she needed. Um, but you know, other solutions could be, um, a folder, you know, on a hard drive or a thumb drive. Um, you could have it secured or, you know, locked up. There's a variety of ways we've talked about over the years of, of encrypting a folder or it could not be encrypted. I guess it's your choice. Um, but you want to have all of that stuff in one place so the person can find it. Another solution, if your significant other is very analog would be to print it out. You know, just make a list. If you're using one password or not, you could print out your passwords and key accounts and that same sort of text file I was just talking about. Put it in a three ring binder and put it in a safe place. Um, uh, what are some other solutions? Well, one of the one of the things that I've done is is I try to keep it as simple as I can to the extent possible going in. One of that's just for my own sake. Um, and one is, you know, for other people, you know, I've, I've gone completely electronic. I try to pay everything online through my, through my bank's account. Um, and, you know, I keep that note inside one password with, with basic instructions. Um, but what I've also done is kind of like you, I've also gotten this, this fireproof box safe, whatever it is you want to call it, that I, I keep in my house with my most important documents, you know, a copy of my life insurance policy, a copy of my will, a copy of, um, you know, my my durable power of attorney and those kinds of things. And what I keep in there is I keep it in there along with a copy of the one password emergency kit. Uh, and I know some of our listeners have helped tweak this over time, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the most recent version. But what that one password emergency kit does is it basically says, you know, I use one password. Here's the password to get into my computer. Here's the password to get into my one password account. And it just gives you the updated information that you need um, to get into these accounts. And if you don't use one password, just provide a list of instructions and say, hey, this is where I keep this stuff. This is how you you access it. You know, keep it simple. And the big thing, though, is you've got to remember to keep it up to date. You know, I've, I've created an OmniFocus task that uh, I think it's quarterly. I go in and I make sure that all of that uh, is is up to date. And in my case, it's it's that that safe that I keep. And I've got a couple of trusted family members who who know how to get access to it. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I do. Just another one where a little bit of prevention can save a lot of people a lot of headache. Yeah. What what you don't want, and I know you and I have have both seen it with with some friends, um, is you don't want a situation that when one spouse dies or is otherwise incapacitated, that that you have the surviving spouse or family member that that knows nothing about the finances, knows nothing about the technology, 
and is just totally lost. I mean, that's that's just ripe to set you up for all kinds of problems. Either they can't access what they need, they can't pay the bills, they can't get the information that they need, um, or they have to rely on, you know, friends, family, strangers, and that can that can set them up to be taken advantage of as well. Or they don't even know. They don't know what the insurance policies are. They don't know about a bank account holding money. I mean, that as an attorney, I've actually seen people experience things like that. Um, so you know, as geeks, it's not that hard for us to, to set this up. I think the two key components are, I mean, you want to secure your logins and data. We've talked about that for years on the show, but you also want your significant other to have access to it just in case. And you want to have written instructions about what is important. And yeah, the, the other thing that I've done as as a you know you living with your family you you probably are have a little bit different situation but as me living alone you know n- there's really nobody else who knows what bills I pay on a monthly basis you know what what comes due and what I have to do I mean that's one of the reasons that I've kept it very simple but one of the notes that I keep in one password is I keep a note in there that says in case of emergency and it's not you know I tried very hard not to make it morbid or anything but it just says hey you know in in case of an emergency these are the bills that I have to pay monthly. This is basically what you have to do to keep life functioning. You've got to pay the mortgage. You know, these are the regular bills that come in. This is about how much they are. This is who they get paid to. These are where I keep my financial accounts. This is the name of my financial advisor. These are people you probably need to contact right away. You know, just just a very quick checklist of if something happens to me, this is probably what you should know. Sounds good. Um, let's talk about listener tips because we had several listeners send in tips when we said we were going to do a uh, emergency preparedness show. Um, Eric wrote yeah. in and he says he keeps an encrypted image on a USB stick that uh, he keeps on his key ring and he updates it monthly with critical information, including scans of his personal documents. So uh, anywhere he's got his keys, he's got his library of documents. Um, uh, Katie, you do something similar to that, I believe. I I do and I was I was really better about it cuz I used to keep my um uh my one password Dropbox file on the key ring but I I since switched to uh iCloud for one password so I'll have to see how that changes now that we've got iCloud Drive whether I can somehow make a copy of that iCloud one password file and do that I'll have to get in touch with our one password friends and see Yeah I I keep uh, I do have a thumbstick drive that is one of the sources of backups and on that is key documents I don't carry around with me on my key ring. I keep it in a drawer. Um, the um, With the cloud-based stuff now that I've, I, I have a lot of the stuff in the cloud, I feel a lot less inclined to carry it on my key ring at all times. I, yeah, I agree. The, the trick is, though, is the, the key, really, <laughs> to use a pun. Uh, if you're going to carry this stuff around with you, like on a flash drive on your key ring, and I, I love mine. I love my tough and tiny uh, flash drive on my key ring. Just make sure it's encrypted and make sure it's encrypted well. Yeah, I, I read an article recently about an attorney who put a bunch of client documents on a on a USB drive and lost it on the subway and got put on the Internet and got him into a whole lot of trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, we talk a lot about data security. Don't forget those little thumb drives and those convenient things need to be equally secured, if not more so. Uh, Mike yeah. Hurley from Relay FM uh, had a thought. He said over time he's built up replacement equipment for everything that's critical he says it's expensive but worthwhile. Sometimes that just means hanging on to a previous version of something like an old audio interface or old Macs. Um, boy, Mike has got it together because I don't have backups of everything like that. 
Well, but you kind of do. I mean, you you have a spare Mac. I mean, you have more than one Mac, so you you could. I mean, you talk about this a little bit when you talk about getting ready for trial. Is you you take a spare Mac. You do have a spare iPhone. You've got that that iPhone six plus. I mean, yeah. if, if something bad happens, you could get up and running pretty quick. Yeah, I I probably could, but it, it's not a um, it's not designed. I, I guess Mike is running a uh, a broadcast network. It, he is. If yeah. this if this the ceiling fell in on this place, I could be up and podcasting Mac power users pretty quickly, but yeah, it, it might take your, a little you've work. You've got your backup mic and all. Yeah. yeah you're good. Yeah. Um, you Oliver. Talk? Yeah. yeah. Oliver wrote in and he said, uh, he syncs most of his school docs with iCloud. So his iPad and an Apple keyboard can work if his Mac fails. And, uh, I agree with Oliver, you know, when I went back to school and was setting up my criteria for, um, my school setup, this was my rule. And my rule is whatever I used on my Mac, had to sync to the cloud and it had to have an iOS uh, version so that if if my Mac was out of commission, that I could do whatever I was going to do on on iOS. And I ended up with with Omni, um, uh, the Omni groups, uh, Omni Outliner, uh, Omni Outliner, sorry, gosh, uh, Omni Outliner, which syncs via Omnipresence uh, and Dropbox is my primary solution. So all of those things have iOS components. And in fact, I, I had a situation uh, towards the very end of the year, right before finals. So a pretty critical time uh, when my Mac had to get its logic board replaced. And uh, you know what? Wasn't a big deal. Had a week where I was without my Mac and uh, iPad worked just fine. A little Mo- bit smaller screen, but it worked just fine. Yeah. M- Moshi had uh, one. I don't, I'm not sure I entirely understand it. So scan emergency medical card and other information and link to a public Evernote document that you can link via QR code on your home screen. Yeah, I think I got what he's talking about. So you know how we keep all of our emergency stuff in one password? Yeah. And um, Moshi probably keeps most of that in, in Evernote. But what he's saying is you can share a note in Evernote and make it public. Now, you can do that selectively. You certainly wouldn't want to do that with with some information, but you can perhaps create uh, you can create a, a specific note in Evernote that you wanted to be shared, that you wanted somebody to have access to, you know, a public note um, and then create a, a it would then create a link on the Web. And then you can then use a QR code to access a link on the Web. So what he's saying is I've created an Evernote link that if somebody found my phone that I would want them to be able to access. And in order to access it, I've created a QR code and I've put that like on my lock screen. So if somebody scans the QR code on my lock screen, it will take them to this public Evernote note that has general information that they'll need. Yeah, I understand that now that I think about it, but it's, um, it, it kind of it, threw me with the idea of putting medical information in a public Evernote document. That's where I got lost. It, it depends on what you put in there. Yeah. Craig wrote, I mean, you never know. I mean, maybe maybe you have a, a medical issue that you need more information than what's on the Apple Medical app. I don't yeah. know. I, I just told like thousands of people I have kidney stones, so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Craig uh, wrote in, he says, I keep iPhone chargers in all my cars, so I should be able to keep phones charged indefinitely. And that kind of makes sense. So long as he can get power to his car, he can recharge an iPhone charger and they're cheap as we've said many times. In fact, I think that's the two big takeaways today. Um, make sure you've got some, some portable power for an emergency and whatever, wherever you live, whether it's earthquakes or wildfires or tornadoes or whatever, uh, take a look at the American Red Cross apps because they've probably got an app for you. That's going to tell you what needs to go into your emergency box and what kind of preparedness you can do. And that's a geeky thing you can do on your phone and, and get it together. 
Yeah. Uh, and Barry's uh, tip to us was uh, check your homeowners and business insurance coverages just to see what's covered. Because, you know, a lot of times things that you think are covered may not fully be covered. So it's always a good idea. Yeah. Even just, you know, on the legal side, I one of the things I always tell clients is call your broker. Say, explain to me what this means, because a lot of times they don't find out before there's a problem, if there's a problem with your insurance. OK, yeah. um, so that's it. Emergency preparedness, Mac power user style. Everybody let us know what we missed. You know, we've got that live show coming up this month. It's going to be on the 25th, correct? Yep, it'll be the 25th this month. Soon. Yeah, so so get us in your notes. Let us know. We can include it in the show. Um, and uh, thank you to our sponsors, Tunnel Bear, Sanebox, Pixelmator, 1Password. If you need to get a hold of us, go ahead and contact us on Twitter. We are at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Max Sparky. And don't forget that hashtag AskMPU is a good way to get your questions into the show. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And we will see you all next time. Bye.